Welcome to Hastings Outdoors, your podcast for hunting, fishing, conservation, and more. Straight from the Mississippi Flyway to your hearts. Let's go! Hello. Welcome to Hastings Outdoors. Yeah, you just heard that in the intro, but that's all right. This will be the inaugural or, um, yeah, first episode if you will. Um, yeah, it's a project I've wanted to do for a long time. Uh, put it off, drug my feet. Didn't really know how for the most part. Um, just it's, it involves an area of technology that I never really dug into or paid much attention to. Uh, I've listened to various podcasts over the years, but, uh, never really looked into how, what, etc. So yeah. Um, finally, finally committing to it um at least going to try um planning on doing uh hopefully a an episode a week if not more depending on time and all that good stuff got to keep a good balance work-life balance family etc <clears throat> i guess uh we'll dig right into it uh, a little bit about myself uh born and raised in the midwest um spent a lot of my time outdoors uh even for my youth was fishing since i was a child um kind of took up deer hunting after you know football had uh resided for me and um i'd say i've been deer hunting and hunting in general for the last oh 13 ish years i i'm not even sure at this point um for the most part my hunting experience involves obviously white-tailed deer um various equipment with that archery firearm muzzleloader so on and so forth um and then small game of course you know i've hunted squirrels and rabbits and all that good stuff too. Uh, most recently, I've gotten into waterfowl hunting. Uh, I actually lost my deer property. I don't have a place to deer hunt except for public land. And I'm not too thrilled about the prospects of deer hunting on public land. I just don't want, um, I'm not afraid of confrontation, but I don't think hunting should be the place for it, if that makes sense. Un unless you're absolutely, you know, confronting someone in a safe manner about doing something the wrong way and not necessarily your way, but I mean, legally the wrong way. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not, I'm not too thrilled with that. I, I think hunting should be enjoyable. I think everyone who wants to do it should be able to do it and enjoy, enjoy their experience, whether they harvest something or not. Um, it doesn't have to be a competition. And, um, yeah, so I don't have a place to deer hunt, um, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, got used to uh, at least putting one or two in the freezer. Um, that definitely helps out monetarily throughout the year um, without having to buy, you know, protein. Um, but, hey, we'll make it work, do what we have to to survive. The garden's looking great, so you know what? Uh, find protein in a different way, you know. Um, my wife recently got into chickens not that long ago laying hens and so there's protein coming in from that area and we also started uh raising uh chickens for meat um not too long ago uh, i'd say within the last three or four years maybe and uh so yeah um not as fun as hunting but i raise what i eat so i guess it works out but since I lost my deer hunting property, and um, I guess a little background about that, I, I hunted with my my buddy Bob. Bob is not my uncle; he's my buddy. Um, I hunted with him on a property that he had permission to hunt for a very long time. It was 
a nice chunk of land in the southern part of the county I live in. Um, it used to be agriculture at one point in time. It was um, basically let grow wild. I believe at one, one time or another, there was some sort of organization that came in, a uh, conservation organization, um, and, and they did something with it as far as planting native, native timber, um, native everything, really, just uh, kind of a reclamation, if you will. Um, and it, I mean, it was, it was really, to be honest with you, I was spoiled. Um, it wasn't a lights out, you know, mega buck, you know, amazing property, not, you know, dropping 92 pointers every year and getting on the Boone and Crockett and all that bull crap. No, it's, it, it, I'm not talking great like that, but it was a very sustainable little chunk of the ecosystem. Um, deer had plenty of resources. Um, they had access to a little bit of water, um, great cover and bedding areas. I mean, if if you could, I mean, other other than like professionals, if you could, you know, the average Joe, if you drew it up on a on a on a piece of paper, looked at it, uh, and and draw what you know your ideal hunting area might be, this would be pretty close to it. Um, lots of tall grass, lots of you know, kind of underbrushy type stuff. It wasn't it wasn't just all timber. Um, there's a lot of open areas, more prairie-esque in certain parts. Um, a lot of mature trees on the edges and stuff and surrounded by agriculture, which, you know, in the Midwest, that's a bonus. Um, lots of activity, lots of movement, spent a lot of hours out there and it was awesome. But, uh, unfortunately, and, um, you know, life happens and, and so does death. Death also happens. And, the nice lady that owned the property, she was um, getting up in years. Um, she lived by herself. Um, just, just a nice lady, a little on the eclectic side, but uh, overall, not a bad person. And I mean, I can't complain. You know, we took care of, of the property for her, kept, you know, any riffraff or whatever out, uh, made sure no one was out there up to no good. Um, not forcefully or anything like that. I'm not just a militia thug out there trying to you know, scare off the, the rednecks or poaching my deer. No, nothing silly. You know, we took, took good land management and, and applied it to that property, um, helped out around the house and stuff for her. Uh, my buddy's friend has been friends with her for a very long time. And, um, yeah, unfortunately she, she passed away not too long ago. Um, it was kind of, kind of sad, you know, obviously, you know, the loss aspect of it and whatnot. Um, but it kind of, kind of a, a, not to be a Debbie Downer here. And if your name's Debbie, well, I'm sorry. You should be used to that, but I know. But not to be a Debbie Downer. But um, obviously, she really had no family. Um, her health took a turn for the worse. She ended up in a uh, assisted living facility, or I guess it, I'm not really sure what this place was, but I just called it a nursing home. And she had some, uh, some conditions that weren't really healing obviously you know the older you get it's a lot harder to bounce back from certain things and long story short she succumbed to her illness um and is no longer with us and uh yeah well she was uh i think 97 years old lived a good long life uh the downside of that was that you know yeah lost a friend but at the same time um the property Somehow, I don't know the legal ease of it all. I don't know how it all works out, but the property 
end up being basically um, owned by the nursing home, if you will. Um, so yeah, there's that. They, uh, I believe, the last I heard, the nursing home or whomever it was whoever was dealing with the estate uh, had sold it off. It's now going to be agriculture. And that's the end of that chapter. And so the story goes. Um, yeah, it was kind of, kind of a bummer. Um, I definitely wasn't ready to give up deer hunting. Um, I didn't have to just deer hunt there. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to hunting elsewhere, but at the same time, it, you know, it, it, it's more or less, it's not, not so much sad. It's more or less, um, I don't know, a bittersweet for sure, but it's nice to look back and, uh, think of all the memories. Uh, that was the first place I actually, uh, harvested a deer, uh, went out. Man, I can't even remember what year this was. I would, I would have to look it up, but that's not important. It was a while back. I mean, I was much younger then and, uh, went out with a muzzleloader that uh, actually my buddy Bob ended up giving me. And, um, nice little CVA wolf, little break action, 209 primers. I forget what scope was on there, but nothing fancy, but I got the job done for sure. And, uh, I felt, I felt mixed feelings after harvesting that first deer. Um, not because, not so much because, um, I was worried about taking a life. I, I knew that for lack of a better term, I knew the risks, um, I knew what I was getting into. I had a good grasp on the concept of, yes, you are, by harvesting venison, you are taking a life. Um, that's, that's just how it goes, you know? Um, so it wasn't so much that, but <laughs> I was, uh, I knew Bob well enough to actually go hunting with him. And then, uh, another guy out there, I didn't know him all that well. And I was just, I didn't want to step on any toes. I obviously didn't want to squander the opportunity. I didn't want to, I, I, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, I just want to be a good guest. You know, I, I, I wasn't on home turf. I wanted to be a good guest. I wanted to, you know, play by whatever rules they had out there, what, whatever goals they were trying to accomplish as far as deer harvest and so on and so forth. I wanted to toe the line and, you know, be a part of the team versus, you know, a rogue agent just doing whatever, which actually the other guy kind of ended up being, but that's another story. Anywho. So my first deer, it was freezing cold. I was re re really relatively unprepared for the, uh, for the amount of cold. Um, uh, we were sitting in, in elevated stands. Uh, I think I was in a ladder stand at the time at the South end of the property. And, uh, the boots I was wearing, they were hunting boots. Um, but they had some age on them. They actually, uh, they were one of the gifts that my, my late grandmother had got for me. I think when I was around 16 or so, um, I forget the, the brand or whatever you will. I remember it was the first pair of boots I ever owned that actually had thin slate in them. And, uh, they were, they, <laughs> They were at one point in time waterproof. I mainly used them for ice fishing, um, trying to keep my feet warm on the ice. And um, yeah, so I'd had these things for years. I'd use them for everything. And, and quite frankly, I wore them out. Um, and so they, <laughs> they really left a lot to be desired out there. I think it was maybe, 
I want to say 20 ish degrees, a cold evening, a little bit of a breeze. It wasn't, the breeze wasn't that fast. So it's not really just biting the skin, but, um, yeah, it's definitely cold. And then, you know, sitting and, and trying to stay relatively motionless for however long it may take, um, that doesn't help with keeping, keeping warm, excuse me, but nice cold evening, uh, snow on the ground. Not a lot of snow um, inch or two at the, at the most. Um, a lot of the taller weeds have been laid down by then by the snow and wind and whatnot. And um, just about dusk, you know, still within shooting light, but it's still kind of hard to see. Um, what I thought was a nice doe was heading down a path towards me. And I was like, well, shoot, here's an opportunity. So I'm, I'm going through my mental checklist of, okay. You know, move one, move one heads down, check the surrounding area, make sure, you know, scanning the field with my eyes to make sure I'm not going to get caught by someone else. You know, if there's one doe, there's another doe, typically speaking. Um, but so I'm scanning the field, trying to keep my eyes peeled, um, trying to, you know, cross my T's, dot my eyes. I, I had the gun in my lap. I, I slowly maneuvered in a position. And the way the doe was approaching, um, say if I'm facing north, uh, the doe was coming from, uh, was heading south that'd be southwest so at my relatively two o'clock somewhere between 1 30 to 2 30 and uh just you know casually strolling finding little bits here and there to eat and uh every time the head went down i'd make another little move and this went on for it seemed like an eternity it seemed like it was just dragging out you know, nerves are already ramped up. I, I never harvested anything, you know, bigger than a squirrel or a rabbit before that time. And I just remember watching this thing. And every time it put its head down, I try to move. And something on the stand, whether it was a leaf, a stick or something, something I hadn't seen when I climbed into the stand under my boot. Maybe maybe I carried it up there with me. I don't know. Uh, it kind of made a crack slash uh, crinkle noise. I It... it sound like a very small twig or, or a leaf maybe and the breeze it, it really wasn't loud enough to cover it and so i'm sitting there i hear this i freeze i'm panicking head pops up looking around ears going 90 miles an hour a minute just trying to find out where that came from see if it happens again and back to business as usual you know head down walking like normal no real signs of, of stress or you know, panic or anything like that. And so I finally get into position and the stand I was in actually had a shooting rail. Um, honestly, I can't remember. I, yeah, I think it, that's not important. It was just a typical box stand with a shooting rail. Um, so I get into position, slowly pull the hammer back on the muzzle loader, line everything up like I should wait and I, I, I guess I had the great fortune of dealing with target panic long before I started hunting deer because, you know, as a young man, I, I've been a firearm enthusiast. And I, uh, one, of, one of the things I enjoy is trying to be as precise as I can with shooting. I mean, I don't know why. It's like the nerdiest version of shooting, but I, I enjoyed it. So I practice a lot, you know, controlling my breathing relaxing trying to slow my heart rate down to a manageable level and you know so i inhale nice and slow hover 
or float the uh, the reticle above where I wanted to shoot. I start to exhale nice and slow. And as, <clears throat> as the target comes into view, as the crosshairs get over that sweet Boilermaker area, I gently, gently squeeze the trigger off. And I had never... <laughs> I'd never shot a muzzleloader at a live target before. And, um, yeah, that was a new experience. Uh, gun went off exactly like it was supposed to. Um, you know, cloud of smoke. I can't see anything. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. You know, I was trying to look through smoke. You know, I keep both eyes open in the scope at all times. I, you know, I, 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 trained myself not to do that. He used to have a bad habit of doing that as a young man. But, um, yeah, so I, I, all I see is smoke and I hear the deer. I hear it run in front of me. And as the smoke clears, I can kind of make, make the tail end of it as it's passing through some brush to my left. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, so I, I waited for a little bit, waited for a little bit. Nerves are all time high getting that that weird tremble if you will uh, i'm not really sure what causes that maybe it's the uh the influx of adrenaline i don't know so i'm shaking like a leaf from a tree trying not to be too loud in case you know maybe i did miss if i did miss you know maybe i'll get another opportunity i don't know um and i'm quietly trying to repack this muzzle loader i dropped the two pirate x pellets in followed by a um oh my gosh i just forgot the name of it um Goodness gracious, power belt, uh, power belt, sab it in there and, uh, pop out the old primer. Obviously I'm, I'm telling you that backwards popped out the old primer first, all that stuff, you know, the proper sequence. So do I, and, uh, got a new primer in there, close it up and ready to go just in case. Um, but didn't see anything, didn't see anything. 20 ish minutes go by and okay, well, I'm going to, we're losing daylight. I'm going to get down. And just look, because the thing, the deer passed within, I would say, five yards of the base of my stand. And so if there was blood, it shouldn't be hard to see from there. So I, I, I get down quietly. I'm looking around and looking for a sign, all that good stuff. And I didn't see anything in front of me. So I went back to, I walked about, oh, man, I want to say the, the shot was about 93 yards from the stand. So I head back towards where I last saw the deer when I pulled the trigger and I'm looking around, looking around, looking around and I don't see anything. And then I see a tuft of hair and I'm like, Oh, please tell me no. And so, all right, I, I have some sort of sign here at this little tuft of hair and it was Brown and white mixed. I'm like, that's crap. Okay. So I make my way back, back the way I came. And as I'm walking back, I look down and I see a blood trail. Well, it was the weirdest thing because the way the, the wind had knocked the grass down, it must have been a south wind because I was facing north where I was sitting. And the way the wind had knocked the grass down, the blood somehow, for the most part, until I got further down the trail, uh, had fallen on to the backside of these little waves of grass. So from my vantage point, it was hidden until I turned around and I'm like, Oh, Oh, and then I'm getting super excited. 
I look at the blood, you know, it doesn't have that brown color. It doesn't, there's no weird brownish green tint to it. I'm like, okay, well that's, that's good. Um, not really seeing chunks of meat. That's also good. And, um, yeah, I keep walking a little bit more and I start seeing bubbles. I'm like, okay, okay. I stand a fighting chance here now. So I keep going down the blood trail. I found the deer, maybe four yards from the stand tucked up in under a pine tree and it had, uh, it had expired and I, I still remember I, I couldn't find it. Now this is the first deer I'd really tracked and especially, you know, I, you know, never done it before, never done it by myself and out there that time of year, it was, it was late season that time of year. Everything is either white from snow or brown. Two primary colors on a white-tailed deer, white and brown. And so, looking around, looking around, and I, I can't find anything. The blood kind of gets, eh, it's here, there, everywhere. I think the deer had circled back a little bit, whatever. And it ended up in, in close to a bedding area that was tucked up under a tall pine. And uh, I saw it in there, waited waited a second. I was, I'm, I'm looking for steam coming out of the nose. I'm looking for any sign of life i'm you know i'm back 15 yards or so and slowly approached the deer from the back and um I, I ended up just poking it with my gun barrel uh from from the back side of the deer not the derriere side but literally the spine side and uh nothing happened nothing happened um yeah that was it and then i got a little bummed out I mean, it's kind of crazy to think, hey, you, you just shot your first deer. You made a really good shot. It ended up being double long. Obviously, you know, everyone, a lot of guys I hunt with are like, oh, if you don't shoot them in the heart, you know, blah, blah, whatever. I don't care. If it's an ethical kill, it's an ethical kill. But I got bummed out a little bit. And the reason I got bummed out was because I wanted to harvest a doe. Um. Yeah, if I saw a decent buck, I probably would have taken the opportunity. I definitely probably would have missed if it was a, if it was a good one. Um, but the reason I got bummed out is I looked at the noggin of this deer, and just just pushing the hair up a fuzz, two little nubs on the top of the head. And what bummed me out about that was is. Um, had I known that I probably would have let him walk just because I, you know, if you want to shoot good deer, so on and so forth. And all I've been told, you know, um, you got to let them grow. And so I kind of felt bummed out about that, but the deed was done. The meat was going to the freezer and, and that was it. I was still pretty stoked. I shot my first deer, notched my belt and, uh, off I went. So yeah, that's my first deer hunting experience. Um, and that was, oh my gosh, I can't even remember now, at least over a decade ago, I know for sure. And uh, there were many more after that. Um, I got actually got my first buck in archery, I want to say at least two or three years after that. Um, it was, I want to say it was either 2013 or 2014. It was Halloween, and Halloween ended up being on a Saturday, I believe. I could probably look that up in the calendar, but uh, 
yeah, uh, out there with my bud Bob again and uh, sitting in a different stand. Had my uh, compound bow with me. I forget the model of it, but the make was Struther. Um, check out Struther Archery. Um, I don't even know if they're still in business anymore, but uh, the bow I had from them, it was... I regret getting rid of that bow. Let's put it that way. It was a 60-pound 60 60 pound draw. I want to say 28 inches. Um, and for me, I can shoot 30, 31 all day long. But dropping that draw weight or draw weight, dropping the draw length down, even the draw weight too, because I was the first bow I had, I was shooting uh, 70 pounds at 31 inches. Um, now, 31 inches is a bit long, but I kind of have those gorilla arms. I can make it work you know, with, with decent form and accuracy, but dropping that draw weight down and dropping the, uh, draw length as well. It really changed my game. Um, now granted this was just on paper. I'd, I'd never actually shot a deer or live target, if you will, with my bow until that night. Um, but I practiced religiously, um, before that. I had actually been shooting archery for at least five years at that time. And I would shoot, oh man, at least two or three times a week. And for at least a half hour minimum, you know, I put as many arrows down range as I could tighten my groups up as best I could, um, do everything I could to make sure that when that moment came that one, I, I would be successful, but one part two, I say one part two because it was relatively the same level of, I guess, weight, if you will, in my mind, that it was an ethical, quick, clean, ethical harvest. Um, the last thing I want is to, to take a life, but then cause a lot of suffering because of it. Um, so... The first deer I ever got with a bow was also my first buck. Um, nothing fancy. This buck actually ended up being, uh, I want to say, it was an older buck. It was surprisingly older. Um, but the rack size was on the on the downhill slope of, of this deer. Um, this deer barely had any teeth left. Um, really tall, like long legs. It was kind of crazy. Um, kind of an oddball deer but an older deer for sure. So I'm sitting in the stand. I had been so frustrated at myself uh, in the, in the past, well, the past seasons and the past, you know, month or so, because I had, I had not taken opportunities that I probably should have or could have taken. Um, but in hindsight, that's probably the best because I wasn't confident in myself to take those shots even though looking back now with, you know, X more years of experience, et cetera, looking back now, I mean, it was a chip shot, but at the time I was unprepared. I wasn't ready for it. And fortunately, you know, um, I didn't take some of those shots. Now I did take a couple of them and, uh, the one, the, the one shot that I took previous to this one was, it was a drop in the bucket. However, I didn't see downrange that there was a couple of limbs. I was I was too uh, front uh, front sight focused, if you will. I was too focused on the deer to to stop for a second and make sure my my the flight of my arrow was clear. Uh, clipped limb, 
arrow sailed. I never found that arrow again. And um, that doe walked away unscathed. A little, little scared, but that's about it. Um, and the, the other shot was relatively the same. Same stand that I, I flew that arrow in. Um, different, different deer, different, I guess, location relative to the stand. Another, another limb that I wasn't paying attention to. I, I had tunnel vision on this deer, you know, trying to harvest this deer and did not make sure that the flight path was, was free and uh steep learning curve for sure. But so Halloween sitting a different stand across the property, um, got my back to an ag field. I'm facing the property. L- wonderful evening out there, light chill in the air. You know, it's, it's Northern Indiana in, in, in late October. And for the most part, it gets chilly. It may be a little warm when the sun's up, but after that, it's it drops like a rock. So I'm sitting there. I'm comfy. Um, got my bow in my lap, arrow knocked, ready to rock. And uh, I I see this. I, well, I didn't see it. I hear this deer come out of nowhere, and I hear this crashing in the weeds, and I'm like, what is going on? At first, I thought it was kind of like a raccoon or something, you know, you know, messing around in the weeds, you know, making a ruckus or squirrels. I don't mind squirrels, but when I'm deer hunting, they are the arch enemy. And so that being said, I, I'm, I'm, you know, scanning the field, scanning everything around me. Um, I was in a really big walnut tree. The ladder stand I was in was in a really big walnut tree. So you, you got a little bit of leeway. The sun's at my back cause it's setting. Um, so I'm in the shadows for the most part. And so there's a little bit of wiggle room, but there's also a trail that travels not too far from the back of that stand. And it's a good stand to get caught in. And so I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to look around, trying to see see if I see anything, figure out where this noise is coming from. Not moving a whole lot, you know, just eye movement pretty much. And out of nowhere, this doe, this young doe, I mean, she maybe a year or two at best, comes bolting through in front of me, just running due south. I'm facing east, bolting through in front of me and... And so I'm in a little bit of shock. Um, hadn't seen anything the entire day. And all of a sudden I see this doe come out of nowhere and disappear into nowhere at 30 mile an hour. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh, dokie, that was interesting. Um, all right. Maybe she comes back. I don't know. Maybe there's something chasing her. I thought it was a little early for, for rut activity. Um, given that it's, it's Halloween, I know it's, I know it's getting close. Um, it's getting colder. Um, definitely seeing, seeing a little more movement because of the temperatures in the night and so on, but didn't really know what to think. Uh, you know, I, I never would have had a chance. It was a flash and, uh, yeah, sat there for about another 20 minutes. And I'm like, well, okay, at least I saw something. That was pretty cool. And then I start hearing some noise again from the same location where this doe had come from. And I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what the heck did this doe somehow circle back around just to taunt me? Like, or is this, is this some weird episode of, of duck hunter here? You know, the, the Nintendo game. And I, I don't know. I'm just, all right, well stick to the script here. I'm going to, you know, focus. And this time I'm, I'm holding my bow. I'm not, <clears throat> not holding it up. I, I, I have my left hand on the grip, you know, through the, sl- through the sling on the grip you know, just in case. 
so on and so forth. And I've got it kind of in a position that would be easy to draw from if I had the opportunity. And I keep hearing this ruckus, just something bouncing through the weeds to my left, just like that doe did. And I'm expecting to see another, you know, flash go by and there's a whitetail. Well, this goes on for a few minutes. And then, you know, it, it kind of, it gets further away, comes closer, gets further away, comes closer. I'm not sure what's going on. I can't see anything. Um, there's a, a lot of thick cover between me and the sound. And then I see this doe kind of trotting through this time. And kind of stops. The doe stops in front of me. I, I mean, 20-ish yards, very briefly. Um, heads up, not enough time to draw. Um, the doe is perpendicular to me, uh, you know, broadside like a target would be. It looked awesome, but uh, not enough time to draw. She's kind of alert and uh, looks over her shoulder. <clears throat> and I'm not super experienced at this time, but I knew enough to know that there's probably something behind her, uh, be it a deer or whatever. But she's looking at or for something. And I'm thinking, well, okay. So she kind of uh, walks in between uh, some brushes or bushes, whatever, where I can get my bow lifted up vertical and uh, puts her head down right behind some some bushy stuff. I, I lift my bow up vertical. I've got my release hooked on and I'm just sitting waiting. And this goes on for just, just a minute or two. And she's just kind of moseying behind there. Not really. Uh, it seemed like she was kind of calming down. And, um, so I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm picking my shot, if you will. You know, I, I made it up my mind. Okay. If she steps out <clears throat> and presents the opportunity <clears throat> just on the, op excuse me, <clears throat> just on the opposite side of this brushy stuff, um, then I'll, I'll try to take a shot. Well, things go according to plan and she keeps moseying on through gets to uh, the, the other side of this brush, um, kind of stops, puts her head down. She's kind of grazing a little bit, looking the other way. And I'm a fraction of a second away from drawing. And this buck comes out of nowhere like a holy terror and running straight towards this doe. And she bounces off. She actually bounces in a different direction this time. She jumped into the, the thick cover that was um, in front of me, uh, but away from me, and bounces around some trees. And I can I can still see her, and this buck is just on her like white on rice. And they are they are just monkeying around for for lack of a better term, you know, pre rut type stuff. And um, I'm like, well, what the heck, man? And I didn't get a good look at this buck. I really didn't when it bounced. It kind of like just bolted in there i didn't get a good look at this buck i i'd seen the doe she was the doe that came in she was okay um and the the younger doe that i saw earlier i i i don't know where that one ended up um but i i thought it was the same doe i'm not sure i can't tell for sure this one i thought was bigger but hey my memory could be tricking me i could have just be telling myself mentally that hey it was bigger i don't know but so I'm, I'm watching this all unfold in front of me, like 40, 50 yards out, thick cover. And I just keep seeing heads here and there and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, what the heck is going on? All right. You know, I'm like, it, 
kind of a bummer that they're in thick cover and I'm, you know, it's archery season, but it is what it is. And so I just, you know, casually set my bow back down, watch the show. Eventually they leave my line of sight. And I, I, I don't know. I'm thinking to myself, Hey, they're moving. I've seen some activity. It's a good day. Uh, maybe something will come through. Maybe it won't, but saw some movement, saw some stuff close. That's always fun. And, uh, sun setting. It's not quite dark, not quite dusk. Um, you know, still decent visibility. Um, but the sun is definitely, definitely making its exit. And, uh, I start hearing that ruckus again. I'm like, what in the world? This is the strangest thing. It was a new experience for me. Um, I'm like, this is so strange. And uh, this doe comes, I, I want to say trotting through, but it wasn't really a brisk trot, more like a, a slightly hurried walk, but um, didn't really cover much ground very quick. It was it was more than just kind of a, a grazing stroll, but um, wasn't going anywhere in a hurry. And the same path she'd walked before where I'd tried to take a shot, she's walking. I'm like, okay. Okay, here we go. Round two, round three, whatever it is. Same thing happens. She gets behind cover. Stand my bow up. Getting ready. Release is hooked. Getting ready to draw, waiting for the opportunity. And then I hear another deer. Coming from the same area where this doe and that buck, you know, this whole, whole show had started. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I wonder if it's that buck again. And, and so the, the, the memory of just a few minutes ago, of this buck bolting in and, and blowing my shot whatsoever, you know, just, you know, knocking me right out of the game. That's playing over in my head. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this guy's going to come in, going to, going to scoot this doe off. They're going to disappear. And I'm just going to sit here and watch the show again. And I guess that's not the worst thing in the world, right? Well, the buck is walking in this time. I, I guess they were they were uh, done playing for a little bit, taking a break, whatever, and walks in the same way that this doe did. And there were this particular stand had um, a nice path in front of it, but there was basically two paths that split around. What I'd call it an island, but it wasn't very big. It was just enough cover in between the two paths, and it was a nice um, ambush point, a nice funnel. And you know, the stand is sitting at the, uh, the 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 crotch of this funnel, and there's gaps in between, uh, you know, cover to where if a deer walks behind it, you have time to draw, so on and so forth. It was it was set up pretty nice. So the buck's walking in. And I'm getting a look at this buck for the first time. Well, that wasn't at high speed. And I noticed that, hey, that's not a bad buck. And I, I noticed the face, the real long nose, you know, the coloration around the face. I'm like, that's well, that's an older deer. That's interesting. And uh, what, what really struck me about this deer is how tall it was. And the the rack itself which is relatively inconsequential to me i'm not a uh, trophy hunter by any means um you know yeah sure if i had an opportunity on a buck that had a massive rack then cool if not okay that's that's fine i i don't need wall hangers i need i need you know venison in the freezer and um 
so I'm, I'm noticing noticing just taking taking a good inventory of this deer and i see that the rack isn't very big um it's not tiny by any means but um I, I had no way to judge it from the stand. I'd, I'd seen very few bucks close enough to even kind of judge it. And uh, I, I saw it was roughly eight points. Um, I would say just a fuzz inside of a, a standard basketball size. Um, nothing super tall, nothing super massive. But it, it was kind of confusing to me because this deer looked ancient. This buck looked old. It was super tall, super long legs, decent body, nothing massive. I mean, decent body for uh, for deer out there. And uh, the rack was okay. The face looks like this deer's a thousand years old. Um, and I'm like, well, okay, well, let's see what opportunity presents itself. And this doe had kind of dipped into the weeds at this time. And this buck was walking the same path that the doe would walk, just kind of following her. And the buck puts his nose down. The doe can't see me. He puts his nose down behind some cover. So I draw back. And previous in my hunting experience, I've, I the older bow I had, it wasn't a great bow. I honestly don't remember the brand of it. It was nothing special. I bought it. Super cheap used. Um, it was pretty much a no-name bow. And when you'd get to full draw, right when the cam would just rock over to the let off, there was just a slight squeak. Nothing loud, nothing crazy, but enough for a deer to hear. And so I was kind of traumatized by that. And with this new bow, I, I was kind of hesitant. I'm like, ah, I don't want to spook it. it. But that bow didn't squeak. It was, it was fine. I'm at full draw got my pin in, in the relative location of where this deer is going to be um, to get that right into the the, uh, the bread basket. And a couple steps more. Head comes up a little bit. Head comes down a little bit. There's my shot. Slowly exhale. You know, everything's good. Decent form. Let it fly. The deer takes off. And one thing I didn't know at the time was that usually a decent shot from what I learned, um, a decent shot, right. You know, in the vitals, the deer will kind of kick up a little bit and then bolt unless it's just, you know, dead right there. So this deer kicks up, snorts a little bit and disappears, takes off towards, uh, this path that ran East West on the property. He's heading East and I lose him over Hill. Can't see him. And we're losing daylight fast. The doe was no no longer around. Um, I checked around. For, I waited a little bit, checked around, uh, got out of the stand. I'm looking for my arrow, looking for my arrow. Can't find anything. Can't find any blood. Nothing. And then finally, I find my arrow. And um, there's blood on it. I'm like, okay, well, that's a good sign. I didn't miss this time. <laughs> I'd missed a lot. And um, I at that time, we were losing light. So I called my buddy. I said, hey, man. He was sitting relatively due east of me on the complete opposite side of the property. I said, hey, took a shot on this buck. He ran up this hill towards you. I don't know where he is. I lost sight of him. You know, if you don't mind, you know, if you saw him, great. If you hadn't seen him, um, just kind of casually walk towards me and see if you see anything. 
and I, I have, I'm looking for blood. I'm looking for any kind of sign, any kind of anything, you know, and I don't see a single thing. And I'm so frustrated because at this time I had missed opportunities. I had flown arrows. I had spooked deer with a squeaky bow. I had done everything wrong. And I was so frustrated. And at this point, I couldn't find anything. And I'm, I'm 50 yards from where I shot. And I, I'm just contemplating hanging the bow up, not picking it back up again, and being done with it. You know, I am done with archery. I'm sick and tired of this. I want nothing to do with it again. And, and like, like clockwork, as soon as I, as soon as that thought passes through my head, I hear my buddy from across the field. I hear Bob say, I found him. And I was like, I was so shocked. So shocked. I got just dumbfounded. And here I am. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I didn't even know what to think. I'm just so dazed at this point. I'm like, what? So I start walking a little bit faster up there. And this, this path that we'd, we'd mowed um, for ease of access and land management, uh, basically. The deer had had gotten halfway to my buddy's stand and, and ended up crashing about five, six yards off the path. And there he was. And I was so ecstatic. I was so happy, so thrilled that I finally, finally, after after years of missed opportunities, after years of failures, after literally at this time, I think I'd been hunting for three years. Um, after so much of just getting kicked in the nuts, I finally, finally put one on the board. And so, you know, we get the deer, I'm looking at it, inspecting it. I'm like, man, all right, cool. Way bigger body than I thought. Legs are still long. Face is still looking old. The rack is, is, is what it is. And I'm, I'm so excited. And, uh, I looked, I looked to see where my shot was because that's what I was so nervous about. And it was right exactly where I wanted it to go. And the only way that happened for me was the discipline and the, the years, years of practice on a bag, years of practice, you know, outside of hunting, years of practice with buddies, years of practice at ever increasing distances and the discipline uh, of, of honing my ability with this bow. And I, I was, I was through the roof through the roof if you look and i'm not bragging on myself i'm just i'm just describing the scenario to you here but if you see the the you know a a target picture of a deer you know they sell all kinds of of targets for deer for practice and stuff like that and they show that the faint outline of the vitals and stuff like that and it if you if you draw a tiny little crosshair right between where the lungs overlap the top of the heart it was right there i was so thrilled finally finally vindication <laughs> and um so we we get the deer up up to the the spot where we usually dress them it, it's not that far away but we don't dress in the field uh, helps keep you know coyotes at least to one area that's closer to uh closer to an area where the deer don't bed it's up by a barn 
and stuff like that. That way, if, if critters get in there, it's it's up there, out of the way. They're not, you know, stomping over beds and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, learn to clean a deer. And um, I'm not sure if that was the first one I, I did by myself. Um, actually, that probably was the first one I did by myself, but um, first or second. But, uh, yeah, started the process and uh, got to the heart. And it, it, some of you, some of you will know this feeling. And if you, if you haven't experienced this yet, just wait, stay patient, stay true. And it will happen. Um, get to the heart. And I, I just, I had to look, I had to look because I, 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 I put so much effort into nailing down my aim, my form, everything. And, uh, the arrow went exactly where I wanted to. I was using uh, Rage Hypodermic at the time. Um, and oddly enough, I didn't, I'm not a Rage fanboy by any means, but um, I was actually looking for Schwackers because they're relatively inexpensive and they're highly effective. Uh, I wouldn't say they last very long. Uh, a lot of those blades break pretty easy, but they were in my price range and that's what I was looking for, but I couldn't find them. And the only thing they had was Rage Hypodermics. And that's what I was using, and uh, it shot well out of the bow with the arrows and everything. And uh, it went right where I wanted to, split that heart. And uh, yeah, that was it. Another one, uh, another one for the memory books, and um, another one in the freezer. <clears throat> well, this is getting kind of long-winded. Um, I've been talking for a while. Uh, I know it's pretty long for a, a first podcast. Probably it's. Nothing near the JRE length, but uh, going to wrap it up here. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. Hey, everyone. If you're still listening to this point, thanks for sticking it out. Um, I'm definitely going to try and work on the quality. Uh, always get more content. Keep these uh, episodes coming. This first episode was a little little learning curve but stick to it and uh if you could subscribe rate it all that good stuff and uh look forward to seeing you next time